billboard was a tool, the radio ad was a tool, but all the great work that has ever been produced is something that makes you a little bit scared. You're listening to Digital Surfing. I'm your host, Darren Smith. And today we have a special guest. We have Malcolm King. He is actually the creative director at Hubble. So it's the first time that we ever feature in a Hubble employee besides myself on Digital Surfing. But this month we are having a campaign on creativity. And so we thought, why not feature our very own creative director? So let's go surfing with Malcolm. Welcome, Malcolm. So good to have you on the show. Thanks so much, Darren. Good to be here. All right. So today is a little bit different. You work at Hubble, actually, which is where I obviously work as well. And uh, we've got one of our own on the show. You are our creative director and you have a very colorful, interesting background. So before we get into the meat of today's interview, although I think you might be a vegetarian or vegan, so meat might not be such a good analogy. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks so much, Darren. Yeah, I, uh, I've got quite a colorful past of working in more B2C kind of background and advertising, working for some brilliant companies that really shaped who I am today. Hunt the Scaros in Johannesburg. I was fortunate enough to work there when they were really at the top of the can list of winners, being exposed to brilliant work every single day to many other agencies. I worked for FCB Lindsay Smithers. I was an executive credit director at Ogilvy & Mather. I've worked for Network. I freelanced YNR, Saatchi, Jupiter Drawing Room. And I worked for a, a really cool little place called Studio 4332, where we had clients like Toys R Us. We did some beautiful work for them, built some amazing websites for Salsi. But we also had a little shop where we'd create our own products, which was really, really cool. Everything from couches, t-shirts. One of the things that one of the designers created was really cool was like a paper mache ring. And obviously all the copy was, was written for this like really beautiful recycled box and designed and printed, but the, the ring had seeds in it. And I think if I remember the concept correctly, it was for your love of Mother Earth, your marriage to Mother Earth or whatever. And you could you could give that as a gift and the person could plant this ring and, and grow a tree. So like hugely conceptual agencies. And then I've also run my own company doing a lot of marketing, social media. We had animation, sound design. We brought bands over from overseas, sort out all the shows, did all the social media for all these artists, including uh, Crash Test Dummies. I'm not going to try to sing it. And then uh, my company kind of closed and I ended up working for an e-learning company, which was really interesting. I didn't really want to go back into advertising at that stage. And it was really interesting to see how the other world live and how they produce content for learning and the methodologies behind how the brain works, what you're viewing and how to make things stick. And then I saw that Hubble was looking for someone and I was like, well, this is interesting. And I felt like I was falling a little bit behind in my understanding of digital. And at that age of 44 or something, I was like, I want to work at a young, dynamic company with really cool people, but I don't necessarily want to go back into the B2C world in that way or work for a big agency and stuff like I was before. And I, I know that now, currently at Hubble, we're pretty big, 150 people or something. But um, I just loved the ethos and methodology around Hubble. And I'm really glad that I joined because I've learned so much from a digital point of view with mm -hmm. the platform, but also just really clever people 
yeah, that just helped me understand the lay of the of the millennial world a lot better. <laughs> Is it a prerequisite? In order to be a creative, you need to have this kind of past and this rich history and uh, being in a band and all that type of thing. Is that part of the requirements to be considered a creative? No, I think that the world has changed in a very big way on what creativity is. You know, like when I was in school, if you were creative, you would take art. And then at the end of your, you know, into matric, um, your parents will start going, okay, what are you going to do? And then you go, what can I do? And you go, well, you can be an art teacher or you can go into advertising. You know, the only school... Arts, cups, (laughs) pottery. Pottery, anything like that, but it's not going to make any money. (laughs) I didn't realize that going into advertising also meant that you wouldn't make any money. But yeah, so I went to the AAA. That was really, really, really cool at that stage, being at the AAA. It was still in, in Rosebank in Johannesburg there. And then they got bigger and they started offering a whole lot of other things. But, you know, in my final year, I did art direction. But one thing I I struggled with that I I didn't need to go to college. It would have been better for me to go straight to an agency and work for free for a year and just be exposed to brilliant creative minds. And it took me decades (laughs) to just understand what a concept is, how to come up with a brilliant concept. But the thing that was always lacking, there were great ideas, but there was no strategy behind those ideas. When I say there was no strategy, it was just if something was clever, it was clever. Whereas where the world's moving now, and not like, like right now, hopefully over the last 10 years, it's been going that way, is just being more strategically driven. So I was having this discussion with one, one of my designers today, actually, Amy, and I do believe that you're born with a skill for creativity. How you harness that skill depends where you kind of go in those studies. Like I think the tattoo artists are like, if you're a proper tattoo artist, you're hugely creative. You've also got the tattoo artist that just knows how to use the tool you know, the tattoo gun properly and and can pack color in really well, but they might not be able to draw on that. That doesn't mean that they're not creative. They Mm. might create a canvas on someone that is absolutely mind-blowing. It takes creativity to understand the shape of the body and all those things. But I do think that certain people are born more financially minded with numbers and things and stuff like that. But I think that everyone's creative. Mm. I just think that certain people might be born more with that kind of skill. And it depends on their schooling. And when I say their schooling, going to like hunt the scars and that way, I was like, I thought I was brilliant. And then you see guys coming up with concepts for Nando's and BMW and stuff where you're just like, how did you even do that? So one of the reasons why we're having a focus on creative this month is because as you rightly said, Hubble is a HubSpot partner. We're a digital agency and we do work with a lot of B2B brands. There are plenty of B2C customers as well, but there does seem to be a slight more focus on the B2B side. And you know, when I speak to industry peers around the world, when I explain the ecosystem that we operate in, there is a perception that we're not very creative. Why do you think that perception exists that these HubSpot partners, these B2B digital agencies aren't all that creative? I think it's because there hasn't been great creative work that's ever come out of B2B agencies. And when you say Um, creative work, is that design or is it actual like that conceptual work you're talking about or both? Both, all of it. Creative copy, like just because it's B2B doesn't mean that it needs to be rubbish. And 
no matter who it is, B2C, B2B, you want to delight the customer. You want to delight the viewer or, or take them on a journey or give them an experience. So I just think that maybe those businesses didn't have creative arms as well. And that's where everyone goes, well, I'm creative. I can design stuff or I know how to use the software. But you need really strong creative strategy and then clever minds to make that super engaging and I find that B2B has just been very vanilla and very palatable, you know, and guys used to work for weeks on concepts and it's just like, well, we need a thing to go out. So write a clever line, you know, and that's why the work becomes just mundane. So yeah, I know we're on a huge drive to be more creatively driven. And I don't think that it was never there. And a lot of the other companies, I don't think it's not there. They almost just don't know how as well, how to do those kinds of things. But the, the capabilities are there, the brains are there, the people are there. But sometimes they just don't get a chance to do it. And maybe it was also because the uh, clients, big budgets and stuff were going to above the line. Like it was that TV ad or that's that something there. Whereas anything that was just, well, we're sending a mailer out or something, you know, it's just. And have, having said that, I, I worked on uh, Solga Sun for, for a while at that place called Studio 4332. And, and we were doing all their direct mailers and stuff where people still had post boxes and things for all the, you know, gambling and different tiers inside gambling and all that. And we did hugely creative work right down to what the designs of the loyalty cards were, to the signage and the experience inside. You know, we try to get proper, when I say proper photographers, but well-known photographers to shoot the brochures. There were campaigns. The campaigns had a concept. I feel that that's where the strategy was lacking in a B2B world is more like, well, let's tell people what we do today. And then the next day, well, oh, no, well, now we're doing this. So that, like, let's let people know that we're doing this. And it's just, well, how many ways can you write that? Rather than looking at where do we want to be in five years or where do we want this customer to be in five years? And that's why people are just like, how many mails do you get a day? How many things do you subscribe to that you don't even open? It's because there's just no real fire to make me like, man, I've got to open this. One of the big reasons why marketers use technology like HubSpot, like Eloqua, like Marketo, that type of thing, is because they allow you to track what's happening. They allow you to measure your return on investment. And all of that is quite short-term focused. I've sent out this email. I got this many clicks. I made this many sales. Or I got this many leads. And by, you've just said there, when you're thinking about creative, you need to have a longer term view. And it's probably also more risky. Like you could go for the subject line that you've read somewhere is effective to get the most opens, but it might be a very boring subject line. You think there's like part of the problem is this like kind of short term thinking versus the long term. How much people feel about the brand in the more long term? Yeah, everything is brand building and building those great brands takes years and years and years. If I take us back a couple of years, media houses used to sit in front of us and say like, we're going to flight on these stations because this is how many people would see it. It's the same thing now as how many clicks, et cetera, right? But they couldn't measure that those many people have seen it because you get up to make a coffee or you skipping the ad. Like now you can just skip all that stuff. So now we've got, well, someone's clicked on it cool but did they enjoy it well yes we got the sale 
And I, I wonder how much of that is actually because you'd seen other things, you'd had other conversations, and then you got the mail and you went, oh, yeah, I've got to go get that air fryer. And that's when you go buy the air fryer. But it doesn't mean that that was super, super cool. And if you see stuff that comes out for like Hi-Fi Corporation, whatever, all the pamphlets and stuff, it's almost like it's the same thing as just scrolling through Instagram. You're just doing this, you know, unless you're really looking for like a really cool vinyl player or something like that, which they probably wouldn't stock anyway. It's just like wallpaper. And that's just a reminder. Oh, yeah, geez, I need to go get that sound system thing that I wanted to get. And now it's on special. Cool. I'm going to go get it. But it was an experience or word of mouth or someone telling you, like, there's so many different facets to why you would buy something. And I think that comes back to your previous point, like that B2B is, it's almost just like a reminder on your phone or in your calendar to do something, to get up and do 10, 20 push-ups so that you don't forget. It's like, oh yeah, cool. So it's helping you be top of mind. It's not helping you have an experience and you want people coming back to that thing or purchasing the next one or buying the updates or that, you know, like those kind of like really believing in that brand. I don't know what appliances you got in your house or whatever, but if ours doesn't have Smeg on it, my wife won't buy it, right? So like there's an experience that makes you feel a certain way. The design is done a certain way. So even the product is designed in a very clever way, hugely overpriced. And, and the kettle's a kettle's a kettle's a kettle. Or is it? So your brochure, your mail, your communication, that's your long-term strategy. If my kettle is this amazing kettle, that does whatever it does and speaks to you when your coffee's ready and whatever, then surely all your work should feel that way. And that's where like the B2B stuff's been like, well, we've got this really cool thing, but oh, well, tickets go on sale. So here's the, get your tickets now. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go watch the band because I dig the band. Not This was just informative. If you are then working with quite strategic left brain people that have run lots of campaigns in marketing software, CRM software, very focused on websites, tracking heat maps and user journeys and all the stuff that works and is the safe bet. At, at Hubble, are you spending most of your day being the evangelist and trying to alleviate the fears of customers and marketing strategists and go like, it is fine. We're going to do something creative and it's going to really work. How do you take people along that journey that traditionally haven't thought in that way? So what you were talking about now, those are tools. And it's the same thing as when you're doing something. The billboard was a tool. The radio ad was a tool. But all the great work that has ever been produced is something that makes you a little bit scared. So you said evangelist, like, I think that I'm definitely pushing where we can to be more creatively led or to flip something on its head a little bit, because else it is, it's a mundane experience for people working on the project, which means you're going to get mundane work. And I think it's just really looking for the opportunities. People come to us because we've got amazing processes, software, people and whatever. But at, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you've got if the final result is mundane. So I'm definitely pushing for that because then where you work is also hugely rewarding. You know, you know what it was like when you made that thing and it's done. I was talking to someone today that's been working for, you know, a month and a half for one of our clients. She's like, I just finished the last thing on this and I feel like really, really good. You know, you achieved something and that's important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If we switch 
the conversation up a little bit now and start looking at not just about what you see in the industry that we work in, in, but if we look at the wider industry, wider creative space, and we're thinking of specific channels, a website, a landing page, customer journeys, emails, banners that go in across different platforms, whether that be Google, or Facebook, or Snapchat, or TikTok, or whatever, like they are creative trends from a creative concept point of view, from a design point of view, from a copy point of view. Like if you were to like kind of name one or two of the trends that you've seen at the moment overall in the world, what are those? A trend just scrolling through 6,000 Instagram stories <laughs> a day. One thing I would say is personalization. Brands that are really getting it right understand that people are looking for certain things. And if you're looking for something, just like buying a record, you would drive wherever you needed to drive to to get this picture, vinyl, disc, whatever. And people are doing that now as well. They don't want to just be fed stuff that they're not interested in. And that's why you can follow things and unfollow things and stuff like that. But really personalizing experiences from when someone makes contact. And the second thing is brands that are doing really cool stuff at the moment are those questioning the status quo of how people consume things, what they believe before might not necessarily be the way. And are you ready to come on this journey with me? And that's like hugely engaging. I've, uh, I've just signed up to a guitar course and I've been fed this thing in Instagram. Obviously, I follow a whole lot of guitar things and music things and whatever. So, And that's not obvious for those of you who don't know. I pretend to be a musician. But this guy had this video saying like, I'm going to show you how to play this seven-minute abs, you know, like <laughs> from something about Maria. Seven-minute abs. And I was kind of like scrolling through this thing and I was like, Geez, well, maybe, maybe I should check this out. So I did check it out and I watched this video and I'm like, he's going to sell me something. But the way that he did it engaged me so much. The journey he wanted to take me personally on, this personalization that I needed, but his promise to make me a better player in a day. So I bought this course, which is not the cheapest course in the world. It is absolutely phenomenal. My playing, I've been playing for 34 years. After doing a day, like he said, my playing changed. The way that I saw the fretboard changed. He said, you don't have to learn theory. You don't have to do this. You don't have to, I'm going to teach you a different way of learning the guitar neck and scales. And he speaks to emotion of notes and tying those emotions together to be able to, to just flow with the music on any song. And it like seems like quite a high R, so it's super risky that like he's putting this out, but it's the truth. So that's like where it's challenging the status quo of how anyone else is teaching guitar and understanding guitar. And then you just see these rave reviews from everyone that's been playing for decades as well, just saying this is the best thing I've ever seen. And it's all authentic. So I think that's the third thing I would say. I know you only asked, only asked me for two, but is being authentic. You know, a lot of the stuff is just smoke and mirrors the whole time. It's just like, well, we got the click. Cool. But is that really what you do? Can you really down yeah. that hill? You know, if you're mm -hmm. saying that. It's like me too. Me too. Everybody posts a happy Woman's Day post or whatever. Because if you don't, it's frowned on. Yeah, it's frowned yeah. on. Yeah. But like if you're gonna yeah. do a cool, if you're gonna do a cool Woman's Day post, like have it in line with the brand, the strategy, have a cool message do something really cool from an activation point of view. It all works together. And it's all about awareness and things and stuff. Cool, got that. But 
just do something for a reason for doing it, a proper reason, not just because someone had a bit of extra budget and you took 10 minutes to put a picture of a woman with a headline and expecting that it's amazing. I like to think that at Hubble, we are challenging the status quo, you know, having opinion on something. And that thing at the moment is creative. We see that a lot of our competitors don't seem to put that much importance on creative. And we say it is important because maybe people will choose us because of our technical capabilities, our ability to build integrations and analyze reports and work out which clicks are working. But brands fall in love with you and stay with you as an agency because of the creative that you work on. So I think that that really resonates with me, that whole thing around brands having an opinion. Now, that was the second thing you said, is it's important brands to be kind of challenging the status quo, having an opinion on something. The first thing you said is personalization, right? So I'm going to challenge you and say, how do brands get it right when they're trying to personalize where I've got a different opinion on something, you've got a different opinion on something, they've got an opinion on something. If they want to be personalized, they should say that their opinion is my opinion. So how do they get that right? Yeah, we didn't prep this at all, did we? (laughs) (laughs) We didn't prep this at all. Um, There's an amazing book by Seth Godin, which is We Are All Weird, The Rise of Tribes and the End of Normal. And I think that greed or clicks, you can have a million people on something that don't think about you every single day. And if you're marketing to tribes, which would still be our personas, and there might be three personas for a site, as an example, and the tone is a certain way because it's for a financial sector, right? But if we understand the personas, we understand what they're about, your catchment area of what that is, is where you can really have people that love your brand. I've always said with our music, I don't care if one person loves our music or a million people love our music. I wish it was a million, but as long as we love our music. So that authenticity, challenging the status quo and those kinds of things inside the, the space of the, of, of the brand will come through because people are not idiots anymore. They do their research. They will check lots of different things. So if you think that if you're selling them a TV that they're only looking at your brand, well, then you're stupid. But the thing for me is that the brand that delights them the most and that catchment area there is those people become your advocates. They become your champions that then say, man, you've got to get the new Darren TV because it's got this and this and this, and it's just so amazing. So I think that the issue is that the amount of followers is dictating what success is for companies. And yes, obviously you see a follow through to the sale and all that kind of thing, which is what the technology is. That's our tools and brilliant. A lot of that just comes from massive budgets, right? So if you're spending crap loads of money, you're going to get a percentage of purchases out of that. That doesn't mean that you are successful, to be honest. It doesn't mean that that people are going to buy your product again. So We're All Weird is an amazing book talking about tribes 
talking about people that you really want to go after. And when I say go after, experience with you what you want them to experience so that it, it creates amazing brand affinity and recall and all those things. So yeah, I don't agree with you on you not agreeing with me. That's absolutely fine. I do love the concept of tribes. So we can agree on the concept of tribes. I think it's such a topical conversation at the moment, tribes, because there's people saying that, you know, you can't create a culture if you're not all in an office and people are working all over the world. But there are many tribes that are distributed and they're not all together all the time, yet they have a culture. Now, we could talk about that for a really long time. But we are up on time. And so I want to end off with letting you imagine, what is it, going back 50 years, 60, around 70 (laughs) years. Yeah, yeah. If you could tell your younger self one piece of advice in this creative world and career that you followed, what would that advice be? Top of my head here, really, and I'm, I'm delving deeper into it, is work for nothing. Like find the most amazing place, most amazing, and just go and work there for nothing. Don't expect anything from it. Just, you know, you're going to be just exposed to brilliant, brilliant work and things like that. And, you know, I remember um, at Hans, I was working with brilliant credit director, Eric Verwuchen, and he has done amazing work around the world. We were playing basketball at five in the morning in the parking lot in winter. And I'm shocking at at basketball, but while prints were being printed out and I was like so frustrated that I was still there, (laughs) but the work was amazing. Like he worked like I've never seen anyone work. So my thing is like, go and work for nothing in whatever it is. You know, in whatever it is, I say that. But if it wasn't creativity, it's like, just go work somewhere for nothing. Just go do it and learn and learn and learn. Because then there's no expectation of money. There's nothing like that. You're just learning from the best in the business. Like, do your research on the best in the business. And just, just, go, just go work, man. Just go see stuff that people that have 10, 20 years experience are doing. That would be my biggest lesson for my younger self. I really, really love that. And like, I think the concept of give more than what you take out. And there's all those kind of philosophers that say, you know, if you, if you're giving away money, for example, your hands are open and more will come in and that type of thing. And I think it like kind of really resonates with the inbound methodology as well. Like be helpful, take less of people's attention and their time, just be authentic, helpful, you know, work for free. It will come back in that very deep, well, I'm not going to try to say that. Philosophical, philosophical, but there you go. There you go. (laughs) It does. It really does come back, you know, and I've also, if there was a second thing that I would tell my very, very younger self is get a mentor. And I was fortunate to have a very good mentor before, but it took me a very long time. It was only until I started my own business. Then I was like, oh, I need a mentor. I'm not doing so well. Like have that mentor. And that's that person that, that will just give you their wealth. And like you said, it will come back later, whether it's, it'll be in success in whatever way that that is. And you might also do all this stuff and absolutely hate it. You didn't lose anything either. And I do believe to your initial question for me is 
you will learn creativity and you can use creativity financially. You can use it in doing up your house. You can use it by starting your own skateboard shop and what you want in your skateboard shop. Like I'm like, if I wasn't doing this, what else would I be doing? I would have a skateboard shop in Musies. That's a surf shop. That's a cigar lounge that has a tattoo parlor in it and with, with vinyls. And you can buy vinyls or whatever that is. But it would help me do all that stuff and be creative in that space and mix with like-minded creatives. So, yeah, I think uh, when I'm 75, which is only in the next three years, I might be leaving Hubble to start up my own skate tattoo, vinyl, surf shop. If you still walk in. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That's not my chair. That's my my knees. <laughs> Uh, well, um, Malcolm, thank you so much for joining us on Digital Surfing today. It's been really cool having somebody. I think this is the first time we're having anybody from Hubble on the show. So it's been really great. Thanks so much for joining us. Mm-hmm.